Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Best Life Cafe. My name is Kathy Anello, and I am the author of the book Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter, author of the popular podcast Making Each Day Matter, together with my co-host is Carrie Butler, owner of the Emergency Cafe, an emergency preparedness consulting company based in Los Angeles, California, and Carrie is also a Ho'oponopono coach, so you can reach out to us. And today we have Chris Tompkins. He's a TEDx speaker, teacher, spiritual life coach, and an LGBTQ inner advocate based in Los Angeles. Chris teaches interpersonal development, self-empowerment, and confidence throughout Southern California at high schools, after-school programs, LGBT centers, and Los Angeles Central Juvenile Hall. He is an inspiration. I have watched his TED Talk, What Children Learn from the Things They Aren't Told, and he is now working on a book proposal that is, and a book actually, not just a proposal, but he's going to be publishing a book on this very subject, and we are so excited to welcome Chris and his passion and his purpose to the Best Life Cafe. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you, Chris. Um, you know, this is Carrie, everybody, and I just um, just a little background on on how I found you, Chris, because we did, you and I didn't even really talk about that. But um, about a year ago, during the summer, my son was involved in a TV show called. Uh, summer break on YouTube. It was this big deal thing. And there was a character, or not even a character, but there was a guy on there who was, um, or is gay and was coming out to his family. And also he was an advocate of going in and talking to, um, to schools and stuff, very similar to you. And I had just kind of I had fallen, I was following you on Instagram and something kind of clicked in my head. And so I reached out and anyway, you've just always been like, I've always followed you and I just love you. And I, I made that connection. <laughs> and, and anyway, I just, there's just something about you that is just so amazing. And I really resonate with you and your message. I have um, a daughter who identifies as, you know, whatever, like, which is, I guess, what <laughs> all the kids are doing these days. And um, anyway, I just, <laughs> your, your, your message, there's so much that I want to talk to um, you about as well, um, because not only are you an advocate for bullying and involved in the LGBT community, but you also are a spiritual life coach. So we're going to get to all of that today, um, <laughs> hopefully, time permitting, but let's yeah. just, you know, start at the beginning and, and, um, you know, there was a, this whole, this whole journey for you started with a letter, um, that about a conversation that was not happening. So can you, can you start with that a little bit and just share with us what, what that was all about? Yeah. Well, thank you for your kind words. Um, and yeah, the, my, my spiritual journey started really actually a few years prior um, the the TEDx talk and, and the work that I'm doing specifically around homophobia and bullying did start from a letter um, that I wrote to my family. Um, I just, I'll say, cause I know we talked a little bit about Hay House, but my spiritual journey actually came from or started with um, Louise Hay, her book, you can heal your life. I was 
at a, I live in Los Angeles, kind of California, and I was at a, a library in Studio City, and I was waiting for a friend to come get me. We were going to go to a, a Doreen Virtue book signing. And uh, mm. I, yeah, and I'm, I'm always <laughs> attracted to, you know, the self-help, personal development area. And, and there was, I was just walking around, I was at the library, and I noticed this book that seemed really old, but the the title and and it had a big heart on it and it caught my attention. And so I pulled it off the shelf and I started flipping through and I was reading stuff that I'd never heard before. And it really caught my attention. So I, it was one of those books where like, Oh, I need to find a seat. <laughs> so I was looking around for somewhere to sit <laughs> so I could read more. And uh, I sat down, I was, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this book. And so I checked it out and I remember I turned, I just was flipping through and I happened to turn to the very back of the book. It was around, I don't know, like one page, page 155 or 86 or 186, but it was in the back of the book. And I remember what she was saying was really still relevant today. And I remember thinking, this book seems really old, but what she's saying is so still applicable and relevant. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm, I, flipped to, mm-hmm. I flipped to the front of it to see when it was, you know, with the date, and it said 1984. Mm-hmm. And then that's mm-hmm. when I had this, like, rush of, oh, my gosh, you know, and that that was really for me the beginning of kind of my spiritual being consciously aware of okay, this is the path that I want. I want to bring this in for if I could get this information to kids at a young age, then and I had all these you know kind of whoosh up ideas, and so that kind of began the spiritual um, path. And then the letter I began. I was at a family function, and I kind of mentioned this in, in the story in the beginning of my TED Talk, but um, I have been out for my nieces and nephews. I have five nieces and nephews, and I had been out all of their lives. And so um, when my nephew, who was six at the time, asked me a question, it really caught me off guard because I kind of thought that we've kind of passed that point in my family, and, and this wouldn't have been something that he maybe would have asked. And so... I realized after his question, I started to ask around to different members of my family. And there was a big conversation that wasn't happening and that wasn't taking place. And I started to think about, well, geez, I have five nieces and nephews. I have a big family. Um, And so all my cousins and we're all really close and they all live in Tucson, Arizona. And so I started to think about, well, we have like at least 20 new kids under the age of 10 in my family. And statistically speaking, you know, if there's at least one or two or three kids who identify as LGBT or even transgender and no one's talking about this, then we're just kind of helping perpetuate the closet. And so I wrote a letter because I have a lot of cousins and um I, I I know that they love their kids so much and I just wanted to really encourage them to think about their kids in another way and and to open their minds a little more. And so that letter ended up becoming an article that was published, my first article that was published on the Huffington Post and then mm. it kind of trickled around and it's been published elsewhere um, seven different times. Um, most recently it was actually published in the guide for spiritual living, the science of mind wow. magazine, which I was really, yeah, which I was really grateful because that actually goes to homes. 
And um uh, uh-huh. and and then yeah, and it was the content kind of the topic of my TED talk that I was able to give last year, two thousand seventeen. Um and it's become just such a passion project of mine because it really talks about approaches the subject that I think, you know, even the most accepting um and affirming parents or families, you know, they're who consider themselves, oh, we're very open or, you know, we're very accepting. Um, it kind of addresses certain things that I think even the most accepting families could could miss. So that's my goal. Wow. wow. That, that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's so interesting that you talked about Heal Your Life. I think there's all of us probably in this sort of, you know, spiritual seeking, you know, environment have started with a Heal Your Life, you know, introduction mm-hmm. and Louise Hay. And so I love that. And, and I wanted to just ask you, you know, a little bit about how affirmations help us. And really, I'm, I particularly enjoy the fact that you want to get to chill, you know, get to the children, because I believe that if we don't do that right now, we're just setting up those adults to have the same issues and the same gender roles in the, in the household. And, you know, with all the movements that are going on, it's about just being human and just being equal. And so I was wondering if, if when you were going through that, if you used affirmations and, and how you think, um, or if there's a part of it where the children can start using affirmations and just explain how affirmations help us. Oh, absolutely. Um, I had mentioned Carrie and I spoke briefly yesterday and I had mentioned to her that, um, part of my journey also included becoming a heal your life. So after Louise, Hey, well, before actually she wrote the book, she would give the the contents of the book as workshops and they were called heal your life, love your life, heal your body workshops that she would give all over the country with a woman named Patricia Crane. And then when her book kind of took off, um, she basically was like, Patricia, can you continue to lead these workshops and train people? And so, I did that training because it just, her work so spoke to me and Louise Hay just spoke to me so much because of her work that she Mm did in the eighties with gay men specifically. Um, Right. I just thought, I just thought for sure I consider her part of LGBT history um, and just that energy. And so I did that training and um, ironically, so did a woman named Tilly Levine and Tilly Levine is the owner um, of Tilly's, the clothing company, and mm-hmm. the Southern the Southern California clothing company. Oh, you're kidding! And um, yeah, and so af- after Tilly read that book, so our paths are kind of separate. But then that book led us together because my intention with taking that course, like I mentioned before, was to get this information to young people, to young right. youth specifically. Right. Um, LGBT youth, I wanted to do a lot of work with them because I thought, wow, if they're going through the coming out process or, you know, if they could start to incorporate some of these principles. Um, and so then Tilly started the same or had the same idea. And so she started an organization called Tilly's Life Center. And that program, they reached out to me because I'm a Heal Your Life teacher. So I already know kind of the fundamentals. And I started teaching with them three years ago. And so we go into after-school programs. um, Because I have an affinity for the LGBT community, I got us into the LGBT Center in Los Angeles, Penny Lane, which is a foster care um, child welfare agency in Los Angeles that has a lot of LGBT youth. 
um, and then high school programs and that kind of thing. And so what we talk to the kids about as far as affirmations is we call them empowerment statements. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a a kid-friendly version of saying affirmation. Um, But, yeah, we – it's kind of the – the foundation of our teaching, what we teach, what we talk to these kids about is that if we can allow them and help them to understand that they can start to affirm things that they want for their lives at an early age, then I think part of the the process of using affirmations is to start to really believe and to feel that way about yourself. And so that's the goal. Um, is if we can introduce yeah. these concepts, then then it can really help make significant change. And because it's if really we empower what's needed. Them, yeah. If we can empower them, then they're empowered, and then they can. It's like we're we're just helping create a stronger new generation. That's the way I see it. Because I that you know, is all, exactly all kids are the it. Future. Yeah, all the all the kids. I I keep thinking. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm like. I'm not going to be around forever. And these kids are the future, you know, pass along this beautiful information that has helped my life and know that it can help theirs in a way that's accessible. Um, Then they can go to school and learn the things that they're supposed to learn that are important for their careers. But then this is this, I always say, I'm like, okay, math, science, very important study, (laughs) but this is, this is the good stuff. This is like the really good stuff. Like, you know, it's a yeah. secret. I'm telling you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is the life stuff. This is the, this is the good stuff. This is life. This is the lessons. This is what everybody, you know, we, yeah, everybody needs that. Well, and that's, well, and that's we you know, that's with, what I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think we saw with Parkland that children are ready for this. Like, you know, young, younger kids and teenagers are ready for taking some control for their generation. And so that's why I think this work is really important. I have a seven-year-old grandson who collects crystals, meditates, and got a crystal cake for his birthday. And I was like, like that's, that's it. Like, like being able to just own what's true for you at the age of seven and being okay with it and not caring if it's not like a truck on your you know, cake when the other kids are thinking this is weird. But, so I love that. And But what I was thinking about in the bullying thing is that um, either the bully or the bully, the person being bullied, both need affirmations. Because the bully is coming from a place of, you know, hurt, fear, anger, whatever, how he was raised. And the bullier is, is, is you know, in a way a victim. You know, we all have, there, you know, I hate to say the word victim, but I believe that, that there's a part of that in being bullied. And so it's like, how do we help all of them? How do we teach the bully not to bully anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, that's, this is where the kind of crossover into what my, what I hope with my book would offer is, you know, it's called Messages from the Playground. That's what the articles have been mm, titled. What a great that's, title. Yeah. And, great that, and title. the reason I say that, the reason I say that is because that's something I've been saying since I came out of the closet because the way that I see it, I would help, I would use that to have conversations because the way that I would frame it with people is I would say, you know, no matter where you come from or no matter who you are, we all play on the same playground. Meaning that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember I did this exercise with my nieces and nephews where 
you know, I wanted my, my nephew um, was bullied, like pretty bad, like parents involved, they were going to transfer schools. And so I remember I, after the incident had passed, I wanted to do something. I had this idea about, you know, I was doing kind of basically research for my book. And so I called my nephew mm-hmm. and he has, which was weird that he has a cell phone, but, um, and I called him and <laughs> Not like, hey. really. yeah, well, I know for me, it's like, wait, you have a cell phone. But, yeah. um, so I called him. I'm like, I'm like, you know, Hey, um, buddy, I have a, I have a question. I, I need your help. You're a leader. Right. And he's like, yeah, you know, and I'm like kind of, you know, pumping him up. I'm like, you're, you're, you know, you're a leader, you know how to take, you know, charge. And I, I have a project I think would be really good and cool for you. And so he's like, okay. And I'm like, can you do me a favor and get together all your friends and your sister and your cousin? And I want you to do some research. He's like, okay. I'm like, can you ask your friends and your cousins and your sister and put to make, make a list. You're the leader. You're the, in charge of the list, but put together a list of words that you've heard kids use to make fun of other kids. And then I, and then I heard si- like it was silence. He's like, huh? I'm like, okay, wow. let me try it again. I'm like, can you make a list of words <laughs> that you've heard kid? You know, and I say it again. And he's like, I haven't heard any words. And I'm like, and in my mind, I'm thinking he's he was bullied, like he was called words. And so I'm like, I didn't want to like push him on that. I didn't want to, of course, bring that up. But I was like, right, you know, you haven't right. heard any words? Like, and I'm like, well, have you seen anyone like get picked on or bullied? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, those words, like the words that those kids use. He's like, well, I just didn't listen. And that's when I got it. Wow. In my stomach, I felt wow. it. I was like, oh, I was like, that's shame. That's shame. That's what that kids do is they. That literally made me cry. Literally just brought tears yeah. to my eyes. I get it. I get it. I was like, that's shame. So then I called my sister yeah. and, his, and his mom, he was in the car. My nephew was in the car with his mom at the time. So she called me back afterwards. She's like, I can't believe that he didn't say those words. He didn't want to tell you the words. I'm like, well, that's, that's shame. That's, that's what happens. We shut down, you know, Brene Brown. She, she's a shame and vulnerability researcher. She says that, you know, when we experience shame, we shut down, change the subject, or deny that we have it. And so we have to weigh, we have to, with kids especially, we have to get past that in order to prevent something from taking root in a child's belief system. And so I called my sister, and I was like, okay, same goal but different approach. I'm like, her name's Selena. I'm like, Selena, can you do me a favor? Can you sit down with your kids and create a space that they'll feel safe and comfortable not me calling them on a Tuesday afternoon in the back of a car as they're, as they're driving to the grocery store. <laughs> um, and so she did that exercise with her, her kids and actually her kids' friends, they were over. And I told her to send me that list of words because I, I would just, I wanted to take a look and I was putting together something. And so I'm telling you this because what I found going back to the messages from the playground is that when my sister sent me these words, I took a look and I'm, I looked at the words and the two things that I noticed were they're using the same words. Like I'm 40 years older than them or not that much older, but I'm like 30 yeah. years older than them. <laughs> and they're using the same words that I heard when I was a kid. And yeah. so that spoke to the collective consciousness of how right. things are still within the collective consciousness, the same words, And they're used in the same way. And I thought maybe there'd be like new words, but they're the basic same words. And, and then the second thing I noticed was there were 
a few things specifically that just intuitively I felt were directed towards my niece. And so I called my sister and I asked her, I was like, Selena, you know, were those, and I said the two things, were those directed specifically to Erilyn? And she's like, yeah, they were. I had no idea. Mm. And Mm. so then that was the other thing is that it's kind of like if you go to the doctor and you say, you know, I have my knee hurts really bad. And the doctor's like, okay, well, here's some ointment to put on your elbow. And so my goal with this is for, you know, my sister to become aware of what specific affirmations that she can introduce to her daughter that will specifically address her knee and not her elbow. And so that's what affirmations are is like we have to get on underneath them behind them to find out okay what are kids hearing or what are they feeling that they and come up with specific things that they can say to help themselves because each of us you know kind of has a different experience although we all play on the same playground and my other hope is that you know even with children who live in a home that is very supportive and affirming you know, as you saw with Parkland and schools, it's like, yeah. well, kids also go to school and, you know, they're in a society that will tell them otherwise. And so it's, it's I think it's important to, con, you know, to consider that, too. Like with my sister, she's like, I had no idea that. And here's my my wonderful niece, who's the perfect little kid who has been called these things for some time now. And, and that 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 was able to create a healing opportunity for them to really work on and talk about and create open and authentic conversations. Wow. This is wow. a great book. Very, very excited. Yeah. So Chris, do you, this is just like a, like this just popped into my head. Like do you, is part of your teachings, like do you teach the parent? Cause you know, with the kids, it's like, it's a little bit, you know, like, even though they might have this going on, it's like the parents are like completely unaware. So like, yeah. it just seems like that would be, you know, like it, it, it's both sides of the scale. It's showing it the is. parent, you know, what, what is happening, addressing that with them about their child and also empowering the children as well. I mean, it's a, I mean, I, you know, I, wow. Like I'm, I'm kind of like at a loss for words because I'm so excited about this, and it's just, it. But and it's time, though. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's time. Absolutely. Like, you know, and the the kids, like you know, using Parkland as as just an example, like they are our next voters as well. Totally. And so, they are going to have the loudest voice. And so, if we empower yeah. them, you know, they've this is going to be a great, a great situation. Right. Yeah. And you know, my, my only, yeah. And my, my hope is because there are wonderful, wonderful parents and the people in my family, you know, and the friends that I know who have children, I mean, are wonderful. And I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but um, you know, I talked to a lot of my, just to give you an example, but I talked to some of my friends who are LGBT who have kids and, and I say, you know, just because you're gay doesn't mean that you can't pass along homophobia. And that's the importance of mm-hmm. doing the inner work 
that's the importance of doing a, the inner work around the messages from the playground is because we teach not only consciously what we know, but we teach subconsciously the beliefs that we carry over. I was listening to NPR. It was really interesting. The other day I was driving and I was listening to uh, NPR show and they were talking about National Geographic and the current issue. I think it's April's issue maybe of National Geographic. They're calling the race issue because they did a really interesting research project where they went through the archives of National Geographic, um, everything from the articles that were written, the photographs that were taken since the beginning of National Geographic to show how racism has infiltrated even the behind the scenes stuff. And so they showed um, on a scale of photographers, authors of articles, writers, like everyone who worked the behind the scenes, not even what in the photographs, but the, the behind the scenes, they came up with this really interesting study about how racism um, has been impacting, you know, d- the, the nuances that we don't really think about. And so one of the things that the editor-in-chief, who is the first female editor-in-chief of the magazine history, um, and she was the one who nice, championed nice. this. Yeah, <laughs> which was really cool. She's the one that championed this project. And she was saying how they did a study, and they show this in the, in the new issue. They printed it as an article. They did a study about how kids nowadays, you would think that they're, because they're raised in a more culturally diverse environment and how there's a lot things that are very different than they were back in the day, but they did a study to show that kids, young kids, are showing that they're still the same race, like the racism and the other um, more conservative values, the kids are are carrying over from their grandparents' generation. And so we think that we've come, you know, a long way, and we have in many instances, but with these younger kids, she was saying from the study shows that they're still carrying over their grandparents' values. And so that's the important work of, of this heal your life, kind of the, the more, deeper inner generational work and healing that needs to occur in order to make true and lasting change. Yeah. Generational change. Completely. I mean, I, I mean, you and I chatted about this yesterday. I, um, I worked for caring for babies with AIDS for a really long, you know, for like six and a half years. And um, I lived in West Hollywood and Louise was, you know, she was doing the the hay rides and stuff at the um, at the rec center at at West yeah. Hollywood Park. Like it, you know, and it's just like I mean, I remember the room. I remember like the people, and and that was you know, it was it was generational. Like I remember her talking, you know, forgiving your parents. They only mm-hmm. did like you know what they knew, and and there was a lot of healing in that room, and we just don't even stop to think about where it all even begins, you know? I mean, it's, that's a remarkable study that they, that they did with National Geographic as well. Cause you're right. You know, we think like, wow, they we're so that progressive. Is, and, yeah. Yeah. And, well, you and know, one yet, of the things, yeah. And yet it's, it kind of goes deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. I, I, what were you saying? One of those things? Well, what I was going to say, and if I could, this is just kind of one of the other things that I, I try to offer 
you know, parents, because I do speak to parents, and, you know, I had a um, a gal reach out to me and after she saw my TED Talk, and, and she reached out to me, and she said, you know, I, I was so shocked at myself because I have a lesbian sister. I work at a university. She works with young people, not children, but she works with young people. She's like a career advisor um, for college-age kids, and and she has a lesbian sister, <clears throat> excuse me, who has been out and she's very supportive of her sister and she she has two young children i think one's seven and one's nine and she had considered herself an ally had considered her still does i mean she still is an ally and she she considered herself an ally and supportive and and after she watched my talk it occurred to her that she has always told her kids that her sister's girlfriend was her sister's friend whenever she would introduce or tell her kids or if, if her sister came over she had always told her kids that her sister's girlfriend was her sister's friend and her sister never wow. said anything otherwise and this is my point with this and and her sister never corrected her never said anything otherwise uh, and so after she watched my talk she was like oh my gosh I can't believe that I why have I been doing that what's that about so it was a deeper layer that she uncovered of homophobia so then when she did tell her kids that her sister's friend was actually her sister's girlfriend, and by the way, they just got married um, last month. Oh, hello. Cute. She was, Yay, she was saddened by her daughter's response. And her daughter said, ooh, mom, girls can't have girlfriends. And so she realized that it's not yeah. enough to tell yourself, oh, I'm okay with my sister being gay or I'm, I'm totally cool with that. We have to take proactive action to prevent something from even beginning. And so we subcon, and that's my point is that, you know, her daughter was picking up the unconscious feelings about, you know, because she raised, she's raised in a society that's predominantly heteronormative. And so she's picking up the messages that are around her. But sure. her sister it was more that she was saddened by her response of, of how, she has been hiding something and it's so subtle, but that, you know, kids can pick up on that. Yeah. Well, and I also find it interesting that her sister didn't say anything. So that really speaks to what you were saying. Like, you know, even, even if you are gay and you have kids, like you can perpetuate the homophobia as well. Like she didn't say to her sister, Hey, like, what's up? Totally. Like, this is my girlfriend. Well, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we carry shame and it lives in the crevices. And I always give this analogy. It's like a really simple analogy that I taught when I taught when I teach kids. I'm like, okay, if your parents came up to you and asked you to clean your room and they're like, okay, we have to go to dinner. You know, we're going to go out. You have an hour to clean your room. We want to come in here. It's going to be clean. Okay. So the kid goes in the room and he's cleaning up the room and picking up the clothes and wiping off the dresser and picking everything up and it's looking really clean. And then he has like five minutes and then, oh crap, he looks under the bed and under the bed is like dusty and there's like plates from late night snacks and it's really dirty (laughs) under the bed, but he has five minutes. And then all of a sudden his parents come in, oh my gosh, your room looks really clean. Can you really say that it's clean knowing that underneath the bed it's really, it's still dirty? And that's kind of the work that we have with our consciousness of cleaning things up. It's like, you know, we can clear away the external and it looks clean. But when, once we go deeper inside, it's like, oh, gosh. And that's, that's the case with 
you know, not just LGBT people, but it's, it's the case for, you know, everything. Exactly. I remember um, um, Louise and Nick Ortner, Nick Ortner's the tapping, tapping oh, right, yeah. and they were, I, I, you know, somewhere I saw the, um, there was an interview between Louise and Nick and mm. he said something and Louise said, darling, if you can't look at the mess, you can't clean it up. And it was right. so perfect because, That's you know, awesome. it's like, and I love that, Chris. Like, I, it's like, I mean, I, like, yeah, there, I, I, I'm so enlightened at this moment. Like, wow. Like, that's just it's a really um, beautiful way to, to talk, you know, like, because it is. It's in the crevices, and we think we're okay, you know, and then something happens, and it's, well, I it's think remarkable. It is, and I think, you know, what I see in my own life with my own family and my own friends is that, being a parent is a lot of work and I completely acknowledge that. And I think that, you know, what I hope to offer is that it's not enough to, this is even with the kids that I teach at, you know, different programs, you know, I'll hear someone, I'll hear a kid say something and then, you know, an administrator, someone will say, okay, don't say that. That's not okay. That's not enough to prevent something that 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 doesn't take away the belief when you just correct a kid you know if if right. someone says you know something derogatory or a kid hears something and and says it and then you say don't say that that's not we don't say that in this house or that's not you know don't say that that that's not enough it's like well you know words carry meaning and they carry they they're, they're like roots and and sometimes those roots will take hold and sometimes they won't but i think it's it's it, we have to go beyond that and actually engage with our kids and and have conversations and and not just tell them to change their belief but to encourage them to question their beliefs right and why things aren't okay because we're all you know we're all just children of god and like you know, but there's just so you much know, perpetuating I, of everything. I wanted to uh, just just pause there for a moment because what you just said was words are like roots. Sometimes they take hold and sometimes they don't. And I wanted to tell you both that when you were talking about your niece and the words that she had to, you know, hear about herself and take in, I was triggered from the abuse that I've had with words and I started to have sort of a, I call it a PTSD moment or a PTS growth moment. But I realized that even years later or even that this stuff stays in your body, that shameful piece of when someone said you are incompetent or you're old or you're, you're used up or whatever my message was to me that I endured and didn't speak up about. Um, they stay with you. Even if you're, doing the work and doing the spiritual work and you words are so deep. And so when you've said that words are like roots, sometimes they take hold and sometimes they don't. When they take hold, this is a plant that never dies. You know, mm-hmm. it, it always stays in you for, for your lifetime. And that's why I had, you know, was very excited about the Me Too movement, very excited about Time's Up, very excited about Enough is Enough. And I'm now equally excited that words 
are also being witnessed so people can understand that the word is a punch and the word is a harassment and the word, you know, because they do damage. They damage your cells, your fibers, your, your nervous system and your belief system about yourself. So just wanted to pause for that. I, I'm probably going to make a, a little quote of that today and quote you. So. <laughs> yeah, really no, I mean, it's... Thing to say. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you. I think it's really interesting because I know that you're an author of a book, and and I, I recently spoke to a woman who um, she teaches writing, and and I was just asking her, I was like, you know, what are some of the things? And so she gave me, like, some tools that I can use. And one of the things that she teaches her students is writing prompts. And you, I'm sure that you've heard of yeah. writing oh, yeah. prompts. And and you, you what they do is what she d- does is she'll – she has, like, a – a list of 50 words and she gives prompts like apron. And then she has her students write for 10 minutes without stopping or getting up from the desk. And they write for 10 minutes about the word apron. And, and, and what I was fascinated by, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because that's the power of words. I mean, she would give examples of having a 70-year-old student in her class because she teaches at the YMCA and she would have a, a woman in her class share a story just by the word apron that that translated into this whole story that she wrote about, about her mom that she's never talked about or something. And that's the power of, that's the power of words. I mean, writers use them as writing prompts to draw out the memory. What's inside. Yeah. What's inside. Wow. And so, you know, I just yesterday I taught a class um, with a group of sixth and seventh graders, and it was about um, drama, how to be drama free. And uh, one of the things I asked them, yeah, and one of the things I asked them, I wrote on the board triggers. I was like, does everyone here know the word trigger? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's go around the room and say, like, what are our triggers? And so we each went around the room, and I started, and I said what my triggers are, and and each kid said at least one trigger. And I told him, I'm like, you know, this is, really, this is really valuable that you're aware of what triggers you. And then if you peel away the layers, the reason they're getting triggered is because of something. And that's where the deeper work is. It's like, if, you know, if you're in seventh grade and can acknowledge what your triggers are and why, it's like that's preventing some of the things at least from maybe taking a deeper hold well I really enjoy the, the writing prompts you know and I um, not to toot my own horn but I wrote a chapter in my book called the drama detachment and at the end oh, of that really? book I have I have people actually ask there's several questions that you can ask yourself about what kind of drama things are going on in your life and where drama fits and what happened for me and what happens with these types of writing prompts and the, even the letter around the apron is that once you write it, once you answer those questions, once you look at what's really true for you in those prompts, you don't get to unring it, and that's where change is made. And that's why I think questions and, and prompts like that are so important because you're putting the person in the position to be honest with themselves. Nobody else has to know, but you're sitting there writing your own honest answer. And when you're honest with yourself, that's when the layers start to, un, you know, that's when they start to peel. So I was just thinking totally. when you said that about drama, it's like teaching kids how to detach from drama is like the greatest thing because people thrive on drama. Like 
get rid of the drama oh, yeah. and like all the space to just like be. Ooh, I get to just be in a pool and read a book. Wow, how great, you know? Right. Instead of like worrying about what's going on or worrying if you're going to lose your job or this person's coming at you, and you just get to be when you can learn how to just say, "Not my stuff. <laughs> this is drama, and not my stuff." So I really love that. I love your work. I just think it's it's incredible. I hope to meet up with you sometime in Los Angeles. I do go down there a little bit to visit with Carrie and. I'd love to just sit and talk more about what you do with the schools and, and how that's evolving for you. It's really cool. Oh yeah. I'd, I'd love that. Thank you so much. I, it's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, the, I'm sure you can relate to the book process is I'm in the beginning stages. So I'm the proposal is yeah. finished and I've just started my first round of querying. So I don't mm-hmm. believe in luck, you know, but I, love I do believe you... in good energy. <laughs> if you want to send good and energy my way, that would be you... Yeah, I will. And I love that you reach out for, I like research. I totally get how you have to do this research. And so reaching out to the real situations in life to bring that into your book is what's going to make it the most powerful because real people telling real stories is what it's all about. You know, this is what happened to me. This is why it doesn't feel good. This is why I carry shame. This is, it's just, there's, it's such a huge, huge passion of mine as well to let these children grow with a different mindset than we in my generation. And I know I'm a little older than you, but I'm still sort of, I was like that, you know, the people, I want to say the men, the women, whatever, in my generation are still of the 50s mindset of women are here and men are there. And then you go down one generation Mm. to like where you are, and it's like they're starting to evolve and they're starting to go, yeah, you know, like, wait, there's equal and I can be who I am. And then we have this next generation that absolutely has to get it for our world to survive. That's my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, (laughs) yeah, drop the mic. Exactly. All kids of the future are done. Okay. Well, Chris, oh my gosh. So, okay, I have a question because we want you to tell all of our listeners where they can um, get a hold of you. If, you know, something somebody's heard today really resonates, we'd love for you to be able to share that. And so can you just tell all of our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, um, absolutely. They, my website is uh, a roadtriptolove.com, all one word, a roadtriptolove.com. And uh, they can reach out. Um, my talk, my TEDx talk, is the title of it is called What Children Learn from the Things They Aren't Told. And they can absolutely um, check that out as well if, if they're interested. Great. And we will post. They do. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Actually, you know what we'll do is we'll post that on our Best Life Cafe um, page yes, as well. Yeah. And um, uh, thank you. Of course, and uh, then the show we will it turns into a a, um, a podcast in about four hours, so we'll send that oh, cool. to you as well, so that you can have the link, and then it's on iTunes as well. So oh, we yay. just. Um, Oh, this has just been a delight. Are you speaking in the L.A. area anytime soon? Because I got to tell you, like, you know, as, as just as a parent, like, coming to, like, listen to you speak, you know, would, mm-hmm. for me would just be remarkable. Like, I would love to, to do that. Yeah, I, I will definitely. I don't have anything that I think can think of right now upcoming, but if – if I do, I'll definitely reach out to you for sure and let you know. Um, because with the book proposal, they do want you to have like a really great marketing plan. And so I do have some yeah. 
engagement, oh. but I don't know about anything oh, near yeah. in the current upcoming future. Cool. It well, we'll that. do that. And it's I know that, it, yeah, it's, it sounds like you and Kathy are definitely going to have some time together as well. Yeah. Um, Cause she, yeah, she no, can I mean, certainly mar- shed some light. The marketing is the hardest part. You know, you have to be super passionate about your message and be okay being annoying to people because that is just what oh, it yeah. is. And, but, you know, I mean, if your message is helping people, it organically grows. Like, it took a – I want to say it took a good year for my book to start catching on. And I just happened to be – have a book that talked about workplace harassment and, you know, basically living in the moment when all these natural disasters were going on this year. And that flocked mm-hmm. people to me, whereas the first year it was kind of like, okay, six months to live. Is she dying? I don't want to read about death, but that's not what the book's about. Mm-hmm. But it took a moment – for my message to get there, and I think timing is everything, and then once you get a message and people can make change and start living through your words that you've written, I mean, that's the greatest part about it. And then the marketing takes on sort of a life of its own. It's like I always think about Mel Robbins, who wrote her book five years ago, self-published it, didn't take on for five years, did a TED Talk, and sold five million copies, and now she's one of the most best-selling authors. And, and, and Oh, wow, that's amazing. Of course, people – but. Five years her book sat there, but the timing when she came mm. back with it after her TED Talk was just like she's, it sold five million. You know, it's, a, it's ridiculous how it changed for her after five years of wow. just one book, but the people weren't ready for the message at that time, you know, or, or she just didn't mm. have the marketing and the publisher behind her because she self-published it. So it's a really interesting process, but I'm excited, and I know that we want to have you come back when you're in that stage, and I hope to uh, find a way for Carrie and I to lunch with you in L.A. What part of L.A. do you live in, if you don't mind this area? No, yeah, not at all. I live in West Hollywood. Oh, perfect. So kind of That's like right saying. central. Yeah. At least central yeah. to me. My I brother, my brother really lives there. I, I, <laughs> have a, I have family down, and we, he lives over, you know, kind of by, I want to say, where is it, Carrie? Olympia and... Olympic and Bedford Olympic. area, somewhere down there. Oh, yeah, yeah okay, okay, yeah. So okay. it's pretty fairly like Fairfax kind of thing. Yeah, Fairfax, yeah. yeah, totally. Robertson, all that. So I go there at least once or twice a year, and I'm planning the trip very soon. <laughs> so anyways, thank you so much for coming on the show today uh, and giving yeah, us your time you, and, and such a passionate project. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been a very delightful experience. So thank you, Kathy. Thank yeah. you, Carrie. Our pleasure. All right, love. Well, we this is we usually close the show. We are going to um, it's Wednesdays, and we specifically um, have our shows on Wednesday because it's Wayne Dyer Wednesday. So we always <laughs> the, um, close with a quote for Wayne Dyer, and then Kathy I and I both pull we both pull a card. So Kathy, you have a card pulled or? Well, I have my deck. I do have a Wayne Dyer Wednesday quote. I don't know if you do too, but okay, I you actually do that. today. I, is I'm going to be using the Angel Answers uh, deck. And what I would really just invite our listeners to do is to kind of just, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're not driving, close your eyes and think of a question, any question, a yes, no question, a what timing question, anything that sort of is going on in your life. And I'm going to pull a card for every single one of us. And it is perfect timing. So whatever that question was, that's the song. I mean, that's the card. Perfect timing. Yes, perfect timing. Oh, mm. <laughs> we were just talking uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> you just cannot make this, this perfect stuff up. Timing. 
This is the perfect timing <laughs> for the situation you've asked about. Move forward with confidence. Don't delay or hesitate because an energy gateway is presently open for you. Conditions are ripe, and even if you don't feel prepared, rest assured that you are. So go out there and shine with that one today. And then my Wayne Dyer mm. Wednesday quote is very simple. It came right up. It says, you are what you choose to be today, not what you've chosen to be before. Mm. Oh, that's Dr. so Wayne great. Dyer. Yeah, it just yeah. popped right up. I'm like, of course. He came to visit me twice yesterday, so I was very excited. Um, Okay, so my card, I know, my card today is from the um, Magical Mermaids and Dolphins, my favorite deck. And so just so you know, like the card that I pulled, I pulled it like in the middle of our talk, and then um, I put it back in the deck, and I just started like pulling cards and stuff, and this card came up three times. So this is the card we're supposed to have today. So it's, um, and it's a great card. It's positive energy. Surround yourself with positive people and situations and avoid negativity. And then a little bit more about it, it says, your manifestation work is going wonderfully well. By drawing this card, you're encouraged to take the process to an even higher level by going on a negativity diet. This means avoiding Mm. negative influences as much as possible. Avoid negative discussions with yourself or others. Turn off the television and radio programs with negative themes and stay away from violent movies. Don't read pessimistic headlines and steer clear of gossip-based magazines. This negativity diet will cleanse you of any hidden blocks that could slow down the manifestation of your dreams or prevent them from coming true at all. So there you go. Amen. So positive energy for everybody. Let's go on that negativity diet. That's a diet I will embrace. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining the Best Life Cafe. As always, we love you and we'd love for you to uh, tune in. Please rate, review, subscribe this podcast. It really helps us out in the rankings. And thank you again for tuning in. And, Chris, thank you again for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Aloha, everybody. Have a beautiful rest of your day, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.